My approach to violence was a blurring of the distinctions between wartime and peacetime crimes, between the exception and the rule. We wanted to highlight the little violences produced in the structures, mentalities of everyday life, to shift attention to the pathologies of class, race, gender, medical, legal, and intimate apartheids that are such effective killers, the necropolitics machine, the thieves of longevity. In this podcast, we will be discussing Nancy Shepard Hughes, her theoretical contributions to the field of anthropology, and how they relate to her research. I'm Helena Walton. And I'm Amber Scroggy. Nancy Shepard Hughes is Chancellor's Professor of Medical Anthropology Emerita at the University of California, Berkeley, where she directs the doctoral program in critical studies in medicine, science, and the body. Shepard Hughes's life work concerns the violence of everyday life examined from a radical existentialist and politically engaged perspective. Her examination of structural and political violence, of what she calls small wars and invisible genocides, has allowed her to develop a so-called militant anthropology. Before becoming an anthropologist, Nancy joined the Peace Corps in the 1960s and went abroad to Brazil. She went on to obtain a BA in social science in 1970 and a PhD in anthropology in 1976, both from UC Berkeley. As a medical anthropologist, she works from her theory that there are three bodies and how they apply to everyday violence and eventually how this led to her theory of militant anthropology, better known as activist anthropology, and her co-founding of Organ Watch. So the mindful body is an idea proposed by Nancy Shepard Hughes and her co-author Margaret Locke. In this theory, they discuss the idea of there being three bodies, the individual body, the social body, and the body politic. Perhaps the one we're most familiar with is the individual body, which is the lived experience of the body self. This idea is based on the reasonable assumption that all people share at least some intuitive sense of the embodied self as existing apart from other individual bodies. However, it also acknowledges the constituent parts of each body, mind, matter, psyche, soul, self, and so on, and their relation to each other. This acknowledgement of these parts, however, has created a fundamental opposition between spirit and matter, mind and body, and real and unreal, which has led to a tendency to categorize human affliction as either entirely in the mind or entirely in the body. This can be seen within Western science and clinical medicine, and due to this, she argues that medicalization inevitably entails a misidentification between the individual and the social bodies, and a tendency to transform the social into biological. According to this theory, the social body is the representational uses of the body as a natural symbol with which to think about nature, society, and culture. It's sort of how the body reflects what's around it. For example, the body in health offers a model of organic wholeness, while the body in sickness offers a model of social disharmony, conflict, and disintegration. But this relationship can go the opposite direction as well. Society in sickness and in health offers a model for understanding the individual body. She further argues that cultural constructions of and about the body are useful in sustaining particular views of society and social relations. For example, in cultures and societies lacking a highly individualized conception of the body self, sickness is often explained or attributed to malevolent social relations, or to the breaking of social and moral codes, or even to disharmony within the family or the village community. 
On the other hand, this connection might also reflect misalignment between our social and individual selves. When society doesn't align with our natural body concept, this can lead to body alienation as the world in which most of us live is lacking a comfortable and familiar human shape. One source of this alienation in advanced industrial societies is the symbolic equation of humans and machines. We actually rely on this metaphor each time we describe our states in mechanical terms, saying that we're worn out or run down and that our batteries need re recharging. Nancy Shepard Hughes suggests that this originates in our industrial models and relations of production and in the commodity fetishism of modern life, in which even the human body has been transformed into a commodity. The final part of the mindful body is the body politic, which is the regulation, surveillance, and control of bodies, both individual and collective, in reproduction and sexuality, in work and in leisure, in sickness and other forms of deviance, and human difference. In each variation of this, the stability of the body politics depends on its ability to regulate populations, or, as we just discussed, the social body, and to discipline individual bodies. It reflects how societies control their populations and institutionalize means for producing docile bodies and pliant minds in the service of some definition of collective stability, health, and social well-being. An example of how this concept can influence health and how health is perceived is in the U.S., where health is increasingly viewed as an achieved status rather than an ascribed status, so it's basically something that you have to earn and shouldn't be given to you. And each individual is expected to work hard at being strong, fit, and healthy, while ill health is attributed to the individual's failure to live right, to eat well, to exercise, and any other thing that might influence health. It basically ignores any factor outside of the individual. Additionally, too much control or too much regulation can create issues as well. The proliferation of disease categories and labels in medicine and psychiatry resulting in even more restricted definitions of the normal has created a sick and deviant majority. For example, negative and hostile feelings can be shaped and transformed by doctors and psychiatrists into symptoms of new diseases such as PMS and ADD. These new categories then transform negative social sentiments like female rage and school children's boredom or school phobias into individual pathologies and symptoms rather than as socially significant signs. She argues that the funneling of complaints into sickness has led to the problem of medicalization and to the overproduction of illness in contemporary advanced industrial societies. This shift has turned the medical gaze into a controlling gaze, through which active forms of protest are transformed into passive acts of breakdown. Ultimately, the mindful body suggests that sickness is a form of communication, the language of the organs through which nature, society, and culture speak simultaneously. The individual body should be seen as the most immediate, where social truths and social contradictions are played out, as well as personal and social resistance, creativity, and struggle. These research experiences that formed the foundation of her mindful bodywork prompted her to take a more activist approach to anthropology. So how she went from just observer to also activist. Nancy Shepard Hughes' activism as an anthropologist began in 1982 when her anthropological subjects in Brazil, the women she had been gathering ethnographies on for her book, Death Without Weeping, had remembered her from her time when she visited Brazil in the 1960s during her Peace Corps service as a politically committed community organizer. The women questioned why she was now so passive and indifferent. At first, she explained that her new work was as an observer and not to take an active role, 
But the women did not accept that answer and gave her an ultimatum that the next time she came, she would accompany them as a companion in their struggles. Her activism in anthropology continued in Brazil through 1992, then carried on in 1993 in the South African Western Cape, where three African teenagers had been severely lashed for stealing money. Unwilling to allow their, the smallest boy to die from the lashes, she took him to receive medical attention. When she left South Africa, some of the men scolded her, but the women praised her. Finally, her foray into activist anthropology led to the co-founding of the Berkeley Organs Watch in November 1999 with Lawrence Cohen, where they are conducting research on the practices of organ transplantation worldwide. She likens the justification of anthropology's distance from political engagement and cultural relativism to watchful waiting, as she says, above and outside the political fray. Her work demonstrates that the body is more than an individual. It is a reflection of society and political surveillance, and she argues that in order to truly understand health, each needs to be addressed. Nancy Shepard Hughes showcases that anthropology can be a tool for change and activism. It promotes simple observation without interference, but when do you reach a point where action needs to be taken? Do you think she's wrong in her action? Would you act? Non-involvement is, in itself, according to Nancy Shepard Hughes, an ethical and moral position. <laughs> 